Open your Bible this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me read to you beginning in verse 10 this morning down to verse 20. Philippians chapter 4 beginning in verse 10. Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, Philippi says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even at Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And may God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now our, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, as we come to this portion of Scripture this morning, I want to talk to you about the blessing of giving and receiving as God's people. All of us are involved in giving to others, and all of us are involved in receiving from others blessings that God would have for us and for each other. There are times in our life where this is true personally, and there are times in our life where this is true as a congregation. And really when we read this passage, this is really Paul speaking to the church, the congregation at large there at Philippi. And it's really through the words of Paul and through the actions of the church here at Philippi that we can learn better both how it is that we are to give to one another and how it is we are to receive from one another in a way that honors Christ. We stop for a moment and think about how it is that we receive from others here in the body of Christ. Beloved, oftentimes we are on the receiving end of the blessings of someone who gives of their time to us who just gives of themselves to us, who gives to us financially or maybe through food or just through their presence. They're just showing their care, their concern for you. They share their love for you. And we receive a blessing from others in the church when we do this. And what I want us to see this morning as we walk through different portions of this passage that we just read is how it is that we need to respond to this. When you receive a blessing from others, how it is then that you need to respond in a way that, that honors the Lord, that honors God. 
We'll see this as we look at the Apostle Paul and what it is that he is sharing here with the church at Philippi. Because really what he's doing in this portion of scripture that we just read is he is expressing his thankfulness for them and what it is they have done for him because he has been on the receiving end of their love for him. But remember, they have already been on the receiving end of Paul's ministry. And they have been moved because of what it is that Paul has done for them. Remember, it was Paul who brought the gospel to this community. It was Paul that began to preach Jesus there and people got saved and a church was started because Paul came and shared Christ and he stayed with them there for a while to minister the word of God to them. So Paul has been on the receiving end of their love for him. And the first thing I want you to see this morning, beloved, when you are on the receiving end of someone ministering to you, that one of your responses needs to be of expressing thanks to God. Expressing thanks to God. This is what we see with Paul at the very beginning here in verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord. And he didn't just rejoice in the Lord. He rejoiced in the Lord greatly. It is the church at Philippi that sent him the financial gift to meet his needs as we're going to see. But notice it is Paul who's first and foremost rejoicing in the Lord. That is, he's giving God all the glory and all the credit. The reason why is because, as he says there even in verse 20, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He gets the glory for this because Paul knows as he says over in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 in verse 16 where he speaks about a man by the name of Titus there and Titus' love and care and concern for the church there at Corinth. And he says it is, the, it is the Spirit of God, it is God who has placed that concern, that care, that love in your heart for the church at Corinth. Knowing it is God who must provide this kind of interest, this kind of concern, this kind of love, this kind of willingness to go and to give of yourself and to give of your, the, the resources that you have to serve others. This week I was reading back through the book of Haggai in the Old Testament, a book that we will, here in the months ahead, where we will take some time to walk through together as God's people. And as I read that, I was reminded again, it says it was the Spirit of the Lord that stirred the people's heart to come back and to begin to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the house of God. Now their hearts were stirred as they heard the word of God, but it was the Lord that stirred their hearts. And beloved, it is the Lord that must stir our hearts to give of ourselves, to give, to meet the needs of others. So when you see or hear about others in the church ministering to the needs of other people and other people in the church, and when you're on the receiving end of that ministry, I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you that you make sure you stop and you rejoice in the Lord about that. That is, you express a thankfulness to God, giving God the glory and credit because you know that God is the one that is working in that person's heart. 
to bring that about. Give God the glory as we see Paul doing here. That may mean you need to write down sometimes the different people, the different ways that people are showing love for you. They're, They're caring for you. They're ministering to you. I think also a a proper application of this point of expressing thanks to God is for us to be praying continually and faithfully that God will be putting it on the hearts of our people to grow in this area, to grow in our thankfulness, but also to grow in our willingness to be a blessing to others, to grow in our willingness to give of ourselves, to give of our means, to give of our resources, our time, our finances, just our presence as an expression of our thankfulness of, of what others are doing. We need to be calling out to God, pleading with God to put it on the hearts of all of us to grow in this way. But secondly, I want you to also see as we continue to read through this, this passage that when you're on the receiving end of someone ministering in your life, you first start by expressing your thanks to God. But secondly, you also need to express your thanks to them personally. And we see this is what Paul is doing. Paul is expressing his thanks to them because notice what he says there in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and here is why, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Really, when you read through this portion of Scripture, Paul is expressing his thankfulness to the people at Philippi, to this congregation, and as he does that, he he sometimes steps aside and begins to clarify himself as he's doing it. Let me just show you that. Just follow along with me beginning in verse 10. He says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me, and indeed you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. You yourselves also know down in verse 15, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Verse 18, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This is at the heart of what Paul is trying to share with them and his thankfulness to them. But sometimes he has to clarify as he makes these statements so they don't get the wrong impression about what it is he's doing in expressing his thankfulness to them. Now I want us to look at these together because I want you to see that there were three things that Paul was thankful for as he was thanking the people. The first one we see here in verse 10, he thanked them for their heart. He thanked them for their heart. Notice what he says, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. For indeed you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Paul is telling them how appreciative he is of them when he speaks about their concern and that idea there of their concern, he's speaking about their heart, their care, their affection for him. 
He says, I thank God and I want to thank you because you have such an affection for me. It is true that in some sense it is the thought that counts more than the amount of the gift that someone gives. This is what Paul is getting across to them, that it's not how much you sent me, it's just the fact, the heart that was engaged in sending this to me. You see, beloved, there is a connection between our heart and and what we treasure. This is what Jesus taught us. Jesus teaches this over in the Gospels. He says, where your heart is, is where your treasure will be. That is, the things that you will treasure in life, the things that you will invest your life in, will show where your heart is. In fact, you could say it like this. If you really want to know where your heart is, there are two or three things that you could typically look at with a person. If you want to know where my heart is, you can look first at my checkbook. You look at my checkbook and you'll find out where my heart is. But secondly, where you will know where your heart is, is if I can get your calendar, you can get my calendar and look at my calendar and look at my daily schedule and look at where I spend my time and where I go and the things I do, and you'll begin to say, that's where his heart is. That's what he's investing in. Look at your checkbook, look at your calendar. Look at a personal chart that you may have. In fact, I would encourage you sometime, if you ever struggle with this, just print out, they have them online, just print out a a personal daily chart and, and just begin to chart your day and see where it is you spend your life and where you spend your time because it will show where your heart is. And you see, the people here at Philippi had a love and affection for Paul. And notice what he says. He says, you have revived your concern for me. That that idea there, he says, you have revived. It is a picture. There's a picture from this word of of a tree that is beginning to bloom again after it's been lying dormant for the winter. Which means that it's, it's always been there, but as soon as the opportunity presents itself, it begins to show itself. It be- begins to produce. It begins to bud. It begins to blossom. And that's what he was saying to them. That yes, their ability and their availability to be able to minister to Paul in this way had been lying dormant. But it wasn't because of their lack of affection and heart and care and concern for Paul. He says, no, you notice there, you were concerned before. That is, all this time that you haven't been able to give to me, I know that you were concerned about me. The problem was you just lacked an opportunity. Remember now, from when Paul was there, and we see him in Acts chapter 16 starting this church to when he's writing this letter, 10 years have passed. They haven't seen Paul for around 10 years. But he's saying, you have kept your love and affection for me, though I haven't even been with you for 10 years. It's just that you didn't have the opportunity to minister to me the way you always wanted. But that heart, that affection, that care, that concern was there. 
And that's what he's expressing thanks to them. I'm thanking you for your heart for me. And that's why he says, now at last you have the opportunity. Now he doesn't tell us why it is they didn't have an opportunity. Maybe it was because as Paul moved further away from Philippi, because we're going to see in a moment that when he first left Philippi, they did send him a gift. They sent him a gift more than once. But as Paul continued to travel around and go to different places, more than likely they lost track of where Paul was. And they weren't able to, to minister to him and, and provide for him as they so desired. Or possibly we know from 2 Corinthians, the churches in this area in Macedonia where, where the church of Philippi was, Paul describes them as being in extreme poverty. Maybe they just didn't have the means there for a while to be able to provide for Paul as they so desired. And that's the reason why they lacked the opportunity. But the point that Paul is saying is that when the opportunity came to you and you heard that I was in Rome and you heard that I was in prison, when that opportunity presented to, to you and you had the means to meet my needs, you jumped on it. And you, it was revived quickly, right then. And you, you sent Epaphroditus to bring to me a gift to meet my needs. And Paul was thankful to them. First and foremost, because of their heart. Their heart for him. And beloved, I would encourage you that when you're on the receiving end, of someone loving you and caring for you and showing concern for you and just providing for you and being a blessing to you, that you thank them for their heart, for their care and their concern. But secondly, he thanked them for their history. They had a history of supporting him. Jump down with me down in verse 15. He says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel... After I left Macedonia, that is, after I left you, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Paul says here that when I came and delivered the gospel to you, that after I had spent some time with you and I left and began to travel around, you and you alone, you were the only church that entered into a, a, a financial support for me. When he says there in verse 15, this matter of giving and receiving, that word there for matter could also be translated as accounts. And he's talking about that you entered into this matter of giving and receiving, that is of expenditures and receipts. That they were, Paul was accountable to them. And that Paul loved them and they loved Paul. And he says, when I left, you kept pushing resources towards me. You have a history of doing this. So what I see when I look at this is that Paul is saying, look, you had an affection for me. And then you had an, an opportunity to, to meet my needs. And I was also accountable to you as I did it. From the very beginning of this church at Philippi, this was a giving church. This was a church that wanted to see the gospel going forward. And this is a church that responded to Paul, the man 
that had fed them the word of God, the man that had been used of God to see them coming to know Christ. And because they had been on that receiving end of Paul, they just wanted to give back to Paul. As he says there from the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, he even speaks about when I was in Thessalonica, you sent a gift for me more than once. Let me show you what this did for Paul, why this was so important for Paul. Go back with me for just a moment. We're going to look at a couple of different passages to kind of track this down. Go back to Acts chapter 18 for a moment. In Acts chapter 18. If you recall, it's in Acts 16 that Paul comes to Philippi. In Acts chapter 17, he goes to Thessalonica. And what he told you there in Philippians 4, in verse 15 and 16, he told you that when he left Macedonia and when he left Philippi and he went to Thessalonica, he says, you sent a gift for me. You provided for me. Not only that, when you go over to Acts chapter 18, in Acts chapter 18, we're told here he, he goes to Corinth. And when he's in Corinth, he's there and he's, uh, he's working. In verse 3, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, that is Priscilla and Aquila. It says, and they were working by trade, they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So when Paul first gets to Corinth, at this time, he's needing to work while he's also ministering the gospel. But notice something changes. In verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came down from where? From Macedonia. Paul then began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And when he says completely to the word, what he's saying is, at that time, when Silas and Timothy showed up from Macedonia, he was then able to stop working, doing the tent making, and just be completely devoted to the ministering and the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Why was he able to do that? Why did that happen when Silas and Timothy showed up from Macedonia? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you'll see why that happened. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Notice what he he did there when he worked there or when he was able just to devote himself to the word of God. He, he, he did that in a way he didn't want to be a burden to the church there at Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this in verse 7. Or did I commit a sin and humble myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. Now how was he able to preach the gospel of God to the church at Corinth without charge? Verse 8, I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, that's Acts chapter 18, Silas and Timothy, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. You see, when Paul left 
the church at Philippi and he went to Thessalonica. They sent a gift to him there and it met his needs and he faithfully proclaimed the gospel there without charge. When he left Thessalonica and he eventually gets over to Corinth, he first was in need financially and so he was working and doing the ministry of the word until Silas and Timothy showed up from the church from Philippi and brought him a financial gift and when they did, it met his needs and he stopped working and he started just ministering the word of God. And this is what Paul is telling the church at Philippi. I thank you for your history of supporting me and sharing with me because you have allowed me and freed me up to proclaim the gospel and to be devoted at different times to the ministry of the word. He is so thankful for this. This is why he speaks of it in this way. The church at Thessalonica and whenever he came there, he didn't come there in greed. He didn't come there looking for money from them. He just came there to proclaim the gospel to them. And he was free to do that because of what the church at Philippi had done for him. It's the history of this congregation at Philippi that they have faithfully and freely and sacrificially supported the ministry of Paul and supported the ministry of the gospel going forward to others. This is a church that was in the habit of giving in this way. Unlike you hear about sometimes there are some churches that think it is their role and is their habit to give little to support those and even support their pastors and the men of God that are there to feed them the word of God. But not the church at Philippi. This is why when you read what Paul has to say about them and even how, what Paul shares about his heart for them. Remember what he said back in chapter 1 of Philippians? He says, I'm thanking God and enjoying every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. They've been participating, fellowshipping with Paul all along the way that they could. Beloved, I am very thankful for our church here our church has had a history of being a church that faithfully supports its ministers, that faithfully supports even those who are going out and proclaiming the gospel. That when we have the means and we have the opportunity, we look for those opportunities to, to help other men, other ministers, other missionaries that are going forward to proclaim the, the, the good news of salvation. And remember that when we do that, that we are freeing them up to devote themselves to the Word of God. This is what every church should want. And this is what should be moving their heart in their giving. The means are there to support the man of God, to support the ministers, to support the missionaries, and the going forward of the proclamation of the gospel and the Word of God. That's why those men are to labor hard, work hard. When they have that freedom, when they have that ability, they are to work hard in the Word. That's why as Paul says over in uh, 1 Timothy, he says those that labor hard at working to, to, to take care of them. 
He says in verse 17 of 1 Timothy 5, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Lord, this church at Philippi had adopted that mentality. And Paul was thanking them for their heart. He was thanking them for their history of, of loving and serving him and taking care of him in this way. But thirdly, as we look back at our text, I want you to see he was also just thanking them for the help itself that they sent. The help that they had sent at this time, on this occasion. He wanted to say thank you to them for that. And that's what he's doing there when he says in verse 18, but I received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you had sent. He's saying, look, I want to I say thank you to you for the very help that you just recently sent to me. And remember, they didn't just send a financial gift. They sent Epaphroditus himself. Go back to chapter 2. Remember in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says in verse 25, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger and minister to my need. You see, they sent Epaphroditus not only to deliver the gift, but to stay there and minister on behalf of Paul. Remember now, Paul's in jail. And Paul's in prison. And it's not like prison of our day. The government didn't pay for Paul's lodging. And the government didn't pay for Paul's food. Paul had to pay for that. He had to pay for his quarters that he was staying in. And he had to pay for his food. Now it's very difficult to do that when you can't leave and work. But that's why Paul had to depend on other people at this time in his life to make sure his needs were met. And he's saying, when you sent this gift from Epaphroditus, you more than enough met my needs. And not only that, you left Epaphroditus here to minister to my needs and to, to help me in any way that he could. What a loving church. He's, he's expressing his, his thankfulness to them. It's sad when I see on TV these guys constantly asking for money. I wish sometimes they would, they would just say, I wish they'd just get on television sometimes and say what Paul says. You know what? I've, I've received everything in full. I, I have more than enough. You don't need to send me anymore. I am amply supplied. I'm taken care of. That's what he says. When I received everything in full, uh, it is paid in full. He's sending them back in that sense. I received. It is paid in full. I have more than what I need here. You have met my needs. And I'm thankful for it. Thank you. I've received it. Epaphroditus delivered it on your account. And I can't thank you enough for it. Paul expressed his thankfulness to them for the very help that they provided him. And I would encourage us to do the same. Express your thankfulness to God, but express your thankfulness 
to the person that is providing this for you. You're on the receiving end, the blessing of their life towards you. But let me share one other thing with you this morning. And that is this. When you're on the receiving end of someone ministering to you, I want to exhort you to also encourage, encourage trust in God with them. Encourage them to trust in God. Express your thankfulness to them, but encourage them to trust in God. Notice what Paul says there in verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul has said thank you to God. Paul has said thank you to them. And now Paul is saying trust God. Just keep this heart. Keep being this church. Keep having this heart. Keep having this history. Keep having this help. And he wasn't saying for me. He was just saying keep that attitude as a church. And no, I want to encourage you. Trust God because my God will supply all your needs. And he'll do it according to his riches. In glory. In Christ Jesus. He's saying just keep doing what you're doing. As much as you can. Again, knowing sometimes maybe because of the the poverty they were in and their financial situation, they couldn't give as much as they could. But he's saying just keep that heart about you. And when the opportunity presents itself, step forward and jump in and do it. Now I want you to notice now what Paul says. And he's talking to them in some sense, yes, personally. This applies to us personally. And my God will supply all of our needs personally. But he's talking to them even as a church, as a congregation. And he's saying, my God will supply. Now notice what he says, all your needs. He didn't say, my God will supply all your wants. But he will meet your needs if you will faithfully have the heart of God, the affections of Christ Jesus. If you would just have that history of helping and doing those things. He's saying, my God will supply all your needs as a church. And he'll do it according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that ought to make us ask a question of ourselves, personally and congregationally. Well, what is it that we need? What do we need? And what is it in our life, and even in our life as a church, is more of wants? And what is it that we need? Beloved, as we think about what Paul is speaking to the church we can have that same confidence. We can have that same hope, that same trust. Live by faith, not by fear. One of the things we'll talk about, we're going to come back next Sunday and look at the sections there that, that Paul tried to clar- wanted to clarify himself with them. And 
next Sunday we'll begin to look and see that how it is I can live a life of contentment. That I can be content, as Paul says, no matter my circumstances. No matter where I find myself in life. No matter what I'm facing. No matter what I'm going through. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. That is, of being satisfied. And we're going to see that as Paul will show us in other places, if, if we have food, we have clothing, we have shelter, then God's met our needs. God's met our needs. So I would encourage you from this today is this. First, I want to encourage you this. Receive eternal life in Christ. He says, my God will supply all your needs. Well, let me just say this to you. Your greatest need in life is to have eternal life. Your greatest need is spiritual. Your greatest need is to be reconciled to God. And the good news is God has supplied all that you need. He has met that need. But you need to receive the gift of it. By repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Christ. You have to turn from yourself, turn from your sins, and put your full faith and trust in Christ. And when you do, beloved, God has met your need. This is where it all starts. This is how you will even have this heart that Paul's talking about. You need Christ. But if that need has been met, I want to encourage you today, give thanks to God that He's met that need. And give thanks to God that He's met your other needs. And look to be a thankful person. Maybe there's someone this week you ought to send a card to. Just saying, I want to thank you for how you have blessed my life. I just want to say thank you for that. I thank God for you. And then be specific about what it is they've done for you. Paul was. Paul was very specific. I'm thanking God for you and I'm thanking you for this help right here that you did. Just express that to them. Express your love for them. Maybe also from this, maybe some of you here today and you say, you know what? I need to begin or grow in actually being a blessing to others. I need to look more for ways that I can minister to others. Give of myself. Give of my time. Give of my resources. Just give of my presence. To say thank you. Thank you for those that are proclaiming the word of God. Those that are ministering the word of God to me. Those that have ministered in my life in different ways. I don't know where you are and what God needs to do in your heart, but I know that he knows. 
And I pray and trust that he is working in your heart and will bring it about. I want to ask you to bow your head in prayer.